0: Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter number five Ephesians chapter 5 with your Bible turned there uh, brother and mrs. Dawson if you folks will come and get ready I uh, they are about to play uh, one of my favorite instrumentals that that I uh, have heard from our church, they do a wonderful job. Get your Bibles, Ephesians chapter five. Let me say this to you in just a moment. I want you to allow uh, Brother Tyrell and Sarah uh, and their song to minister to your heart as we get ready for the preaching. Uh, we'll le- use a little bit of humor tonight. I don't know if there's a more important message I could speak to you than what I'm going to speak to you tonight. Uh, I have no magic wand. I cannot do for any marriage here what only God can do, uh, but I can, I'll can. i tell you about how this message came to be. It kind of surprised me how it came into, uh, to be, and I pray if you're married here tonight, uh, and even if you just have a terrific marriage, that I pray you'll listen tonight. I think uh, what we'll teach is beneficial. Uh, if you're not married, uh, I would ask that you concentrate on your walk with the Lord and your relationship with him. And so in just a moment, we'll, we'll have some humor in the, in the message and whatnot, but I, I don't know uh, if there's a more serious time that we could just examine where we are uh, in these two vital relationships. If you listen to Brother Tyrell and Sarah as they play for us tonight. Karen under the bus, I guess she has a part in that special too. Thank you, Karen and Tyrell and Sarah. Take your Bible now to Ephesians chapter 5. As I was making my way to church tonight, one of our good men sent me this text. I think he wanted to help with the message tonight. He said, Pastor, uh, marriage has three rings. It has the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering I'm not going to tell you who that is, but I love Brother Tom. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, I want to talk to you tonight about life's two most important relationships. Look in your Bible, if you would, please. Uh, Ephesians chapter number five. Now, let me say this to you. Our society today is turning marriage on its head. Uh, Now, marriage can be between two men, three men, two ladies, or two women, three women, Uh, You can just, marriage is whatever you want it to be. Not so. Because American society and the civil, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, Supreme Court changed the definition of marriage, God didn't change his. Marriage is between one one man and one woman. That is honorable to God. So look at this, if you would, please. So God sets the home. Uh, in order here, I know this is not politically correct teaching or preaching tonight, but follow with me if you would, please. Look at verse number uh, 22. We'll go to verse number 22 and then through 25. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Before ladies, you have a problem with that verse, and before men, we point to our wives. I told you about this before this really happened. So, this couple went to a marriage seminar, and it was a several-day seminar. And the last day of the seminar, the teacher or preacher preached on the Psalm 31, Proverbs 31 wife. You know what that Proverbs 31 woman looks like, don't you? She gets up a great while before morning, and she uh, meets meat for that of her, her husband and her household. And, and so this, this pastor's driving this home, and he's trying to tell the ladies, ladies. You leave your husband in a good way in the morning. Fix yourself up. Get the curlers out of your hair. Get up and make him a warm meal before he goes out in the morning. So this couple just went through this last thing they heard in this marriage seminar. They're driving home. (coughs) Got kind of quiet. And the man said to his wife, he said, you heard what the preacher said, didn't you? What? The part about you getting up in the morning and, and making me a warm meal before I leave? Yeah, I heard that. And she said, sweetheart, would you like a warm meal before you leave? He said, I would. She said, set your cornflakes on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, I know none of you would have that idea here. Uh, but you think about this. Now watch this. Before we men point and say to our wives, see, you're supposed to submit to me, back up the verse, look at ver- the previous verse, if you would. Look at what it says. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So submission is not just something wife to husband. And I'm going to say this, men. I very seldom, if ever, have seen a woman that is married that had difficulty submitting to her husband when she knew her husband was submitting himself to the Lord. So this submission goes two ways. Look at verse number uh, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Uh, another time in a message like this, uh, the, the preacher preached on that, the husband being the head uh, of the wife, and she said, yeah, but I'm the neck, and I turn the head <laughs> wherever I want. All right, so look at these. Look at verse number 24. Therefore, as Christ is subject unto the church, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might uh, present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Father, I pray for your aid as I teach tonight. I love every couple in our church, and even those that are not married. I thank you for adding them to this body. And, Father, I, I know that probably in, in many ways the, uh, we have some couples here that are facing some things much deeper than one lesson can help them with. I pray that all of us that are presently married, man or woman, husband or wife, would make a determination to put an effort into our relationship and into our marriage. Convict us where we need to be convicted. And Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. And then our walk with you, how important and vital that is. And so, Lord, teach us to walk with you. Teach us to hunger for that walk and the nearness that we might have with you. Speak to our hearts tonight, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about how this message this message just came in to be in the last day or so. Uh, I try to do this. I try to do it consistently. One of the greatest joys I have as a pastor is that of counseling. I do believe this. I believe that most counseling should come from the pulpit. And I believe oftentimes as you miss a church service, you miss some counseling that in fact may have helped your marriage, may have helped your walk with God. But I do, I, I and I think about this, I uh, started this week for the first time, I mean for... Uh, this year, the first time in, in getting together with a precious couple uh, every Friday night, and we open up some books in the Bible, and, and we are going into premarital counseling. And what a joy it is every time I leave that precious young couple to see the excitement on their face and how they're anticipating uh, one day soon to become husband and wife. I consistently read not only for my own marriage, but that as a pastor I might be a help uh, for those in our church that are married and to make certain that we can build strong marriages. I well, One day I came into town, and I was just, as I normally do, I was following the news, and somehow in the process of on my iPad following some of the news, this book came up, uh, and it sounded interesting, so I ordered it. And when I got this book, I realized, Brother Colin, you and Denora may know these folks, actually, years ago in the Wednesday night classes that we have on marriage when we Uh, We had, I think you folks lent us some videos, and this man and his wife are actually one of the couples in those videos. But let me tell you, I'm going to tell you about this book. I'll tell you more in depth in just a moment. They had a, a troubling relationship, and that man realized how bad the situation was in his marriage. And it literally crushed him. I mean, it crushed him. And he, they were driving home one night when his wife and the Lord spoke to his heart and helped him to understand, your wife is just about to walk away from you. And before he ever went anywhere, he, the Lord, he, and this man talks about this in the book, he so heard the voice of the Lord, not audibly. Uh, but one of the things his wife was bringing up to him is, "You have no time for me or the children. You have no time. You're so busy." And he was involved with ministry; his job was ministry. And she was burdened about that. She was letting him know it was their tenth anniversary, and and they got back into the car after a beautiful night out of a a wonderful restaurant. And and in that car, uh, she told him what was on her heart. And just as she had told him that you have a, a that you have no time for us, he said in his own words, I started to reach back to the back seat to pick up my itinerary. When I did that, the Holy Spirit smote me. You leave that itinerary alone. And God so smote his heart that he knelt in the floorboard of that car and he began to cry and pray and ask God and his wife to forgive him. I went to bed that night I only read a couple chapters. I went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep. And I'm I'm not talking about anybody here with your marriage. I wasn't thinking about you necessarily. I was thinking about me and Kathy and I's marriage and our relationship. But then my walk with God. And I thought, I wonder if God was trying to get a message to me. Could I hear it? Would I respond the way that man responded? I told Kathy the next day, I said, I I just couldn't get any sleep, and it was a good reason not to sleep. I just couldn't stop thinking about that couple and that man. And then I read further. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. I've, I've entitled tonight's message, Life's Two Most Important Relationships. Men, we identify ourselves by what we do. And let me prove this to you. Anywhere you go, you meet another man. I, this happened a week or so ago. I had the car in for an oil change, and, and there was a man there with two really cute dogs, and he sat right by me, and we struck up a conversation. What do you think is one of the number one questions two men ask each other when they meet? What do you do? Why is that so important? Ladies, do you do that? Probably not. What do you do for a living? Sometimes the ladies will do that as well. But because, men, we identify with what we do for a living. And and you think about that, but I'm going to tell you this. Men, we must all, and this is pastor, we must, I don't care if you were in ministry like this man was and is today. If you are in ministry and that's your business or whatever you do for a living, That relationship is not, cannot, should not be as important as the relationship with your wife. And I'm going to tell you this, men and ladies. Ladies, this goes more to you. If you have God has blessed you with children, the relationship you have with your children must not be as important as the relationship you have with your husband. One day those kids are going to be gone, and you're not going to know that man across the table from you. So I talked to you tonight from a heart of a pastor that just burdened about marriages, life's two most important relationships. I believe we're giving up on relationships much too easily today. Well, as a, as a, a parent, if we have a teenage or a A college age kid, and they don't want to listen to what we're doing, fine. We'll walk away from it. That we should not do that. We give up on our grown kids or our kids too easily. I think about this. We should put more energy in the relationships in our life than anything else. May I encourage you tonight, the relationships you have, and we're going to talk about two of those tonight. We're going to talk about the husband-wife relationship, and then we're going to talk about the relationship that you have with the Lord Himself. These are two most important relationships uh, that we can have. The Scripture repeatedly draws a comparison between the husband-wife relationship and the relationship between Christ and the church. We are the bride of Christ, correct? Once saved, the church is the bride of Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, he said, Husbands, I want you to love your wives. But I'm going to show you an example. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Men, and this is now think about this. This is the calling we have tonight. And gave himself for it. Our wives should feel like I can can get my husband's attention. I can get his attention. Uh, his asset. I'm an I can get the things that I need from my husband when I need. I can get a hold of my husband. I want to show you a couple things and watch this. I'm gonna. I don't want you. I, I. I. I don't want for you to make the pastor your enemy. But I'm gonna make some bold statements, and I believe them all to be true. Number one, both relationships require constant work. Your walk with God. Requires constant work. Your marriage requires constant work. I want Brother Josh to pick up. What shape is your marriage in? All right. I want the out of shape guy here, Josh. No, 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 no. All right. Yeah, that guy. All right. Here's what we think. Here's what we think. I'm just going to live on love. I remember when Kathy and I fell in love. I tell people this, if I knew how good marriage was, I'd have done it when I was 12. (laughs) We fell in love, and honestly, I had no premarital counseling. And I didn't have a good example of a home to what a home should look like. Kathy had exactly the opposite. She had a mom and a dad that loved each other dearly. And that just they were in so many ways the exact opposite of what I had and a true example of what a home ought to be. But you think about now I want you to think about your marriage. I want you to think about your walk with God. Both of these relationships require work. Men can I say this to you, This is a, a fallacy, and it, it upsets me and it angers me. When I hear a Christian man say this, she can't leave. it's till death do us part. How tragic. The only thing keeping your wife at your side is the fact that she's a godly Christian woman and that she knows she made a vow. Don't you want it to be something more than that? So for some of us, this uh, man, we are out of shape when it comes to walking with God. We're out of shape when it comes to, uh, to being that spouse that our, that our mate needs. I'm going to make a second a second. Point, both relationships require constant work. Number two, both relationships will benefit from that work. Now, give us the next guy, Josh. How many of you, you want your marriage? This is, you want that, that guy with six-pack abs. You want that guy. preacher? I want my walk with the Lord. I want it to be, I don't want it to be. Go back to the other guy. I don't want it to be this guy. I want it to be that guy. Now, let me say this to you. Go back to the sloppy guy, would you? How do you get this man from that to this? Can I say this to you? If you came into this auditorium tonight with problems in your marriage, theres you're not going to walk out. You came in. Go backwards, Josh. You came in like that. You are not going to leave like this. Are you with me? Both relationships require constant work. Both relationships will benefit from that work. What I want us to do, and what a blessing it was to sit down with this young couple and give them some homework assignments. And they were excited about it. Yeah, we'll do that. Men, when's the last time you sat down with your wife and just talked about your marriage? Ladies, when's the last time you, talk, you just sat down with your husband, didn't talk about the kids, didn't talk about the finances, didn't talk about anything, but you just talked about your marriage? Child of God, when's the last time it was just you and the Lord? If we said this, both relationships require constant work, both relationships will benefit from that work, and I'm going to make this statement. I'm going to upset somebody, not purposely so, but I believe this to be true. If you have a problem with one of the relationships, you have a problem with the other. You cannot tell me you're right with God and wrong with your mate. It does not and will not happen. And so those are some three pretty bold statements, but I want you to go with me if you would. I said this in years past, and I believe it to be true. Every marriage is a fixer-upper. True. As I was was sitting down with Dan and Melissa this week, and just what a delightful couple, but to look at that young couple, and they're excited, they're in love, and you think about this, you're looking at each other, and I tried to tell them, hey, guys, after you get married, there are going to be some things happening. They look at me like a calf stared at a new gate. You don't mean it, do you? Yeah, I do. Why? Because, Dan, you're not perfect. Melissa, you're not perfect. Gordon, you're not perfect. Kathy, you're not perfect. Well, Kathy, you're close to perfect, all right? (laughs) Now, watch this. We didn't marry perfect people. Can I tell you this? Marriage never fixes anything. You know what, a lot of times a young lady will date a young man, and he's got some issues, and you say, I'll clean him up in marriage. No, you won't. You will not clean him up. Marriage only puts a spotlight on those issues. Now, follow me if you would please. Let me tell you about that, about that couple. And I'm so excited to finish this book. Because some of you are sitting here, Pastor, you don't know how bad it is. It's no worse than what this couple had. Both of them are training. They met in Bible college. This man is on the national scale. He was the chaplain for the Detroit Lions. That's probably his problem, Brother Stephen. (laughs) He was the chaplain for the Detroit Lions. But he was on the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He went all over the world. In one year, he had over 5 million airline miles flying to tell people about their walk with God and to help couples with their marriages. Let me tell you what happened on their first ana- their They had been married one year. And he admits this in the book. He said this. He said, I was downstairs doing some morning devotions, and I had a thought. And I told the Lord this. I would rather die than to be married to that man one more day. they have been married one year. And the knuckleheaded guy, when his wife came down, He told her what he just told the Lord. I want you to know I just told the Lord I'd rather die than to be married to you one more day. Ladies, what would that do to you? It would rock my world. Then let me tell you what happened on that 10th anniversary when the man finally, God got a hold of the man. And the change in their marriage began. It was her 10th anniversary, and he was a tightwad. He was a cheapskate. And his wife liked to be wined and dined. So he acquiesced, and he was going to take her to a very, very, very nice restaurant. And he had it all set up with the maitre d'. They had been married 10 years. So he bought 10 long-stib red roses. And the maitre d' would bring one rose to the table and verbatim, he would talk about that first year of marriage and how wonderful it was. And then he'd bring the second rose, and this man would talk about the second year of marriage and the third rose. And he thought, man, I'm, I'm scoring big here tonight. After the tenth rose, he leaned in to give his wife a kiss, and she turned, his, turned her head. And he realized, I've had some serious problems. And it was then that they walked out to their car, And she said to him, listen now, in year one, he had said to her, I'd rather die than to have one more day of marriage to you. Then on their 10th anniversary, here's what she said to him in that car. She said, I have lost all feeling for you. I'm going to ask you this tonight, you men that are presently married, what would that do to you? It'd rock my world. So I want you to understand how, and this, this lesson tonight is not out of that book, but it's God speaking to my heart and thinking, listen, we need to help couples with their marriages, and we need to be instructed in our walk with, the law, with God. When the married couple gets to this place, the logical conclusion is, I married the wrong person. That is a lie from Satan. You did not marry the wrong person. And you must deal with that lie. Is a lie come straight from Satan? I asked you this in the Word of God. When you study how God brings couples together, now watch this, and the Bible says, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. I would pray that every married couple in this room tonight, and those of you that are not married but anticipate, Marriage one day, Tayson and Gabri and and Danielle and and some of our, our young people, you think about this. If you anticipate marriage one day, don't ever fall for that lie. You married the wrong person. It's a lot easier to, it's a lot harder to be the right person than to marry the right person. And can I tell you this tonight, under the assurance of God's word, you can be that right person. An important truth to remember. Now here's, and and some of you, especially you ladies, you're not going to agree with Pastor here, but please stay with me. Our happiness in marriage is not found in our spouse. Are you following me? Some of you ladies are looking at your husband, and you're mad at him because you see his faults and failures, and you think that he should make you happy. Some of you ladies are looking at, I mean, some of you men are looking at your wife and looking at her faults and failures and her shortcomings, and you think it's her job to make me happy. It's not scriptural. I'm going to make a statement, a bold statement, and this is a statement that God taught this couple. Let me tell you, I'm only in chapter 4 or 5 of this, but they went to a marriage conference after all of these changes happened. Somebody asked the man if 1 is an absolute horrible marriage and 10 is the absolute perfect marriage. They asked this man, put your marriage on that scale. He said a 9.9, and his wife corrected him. No, it's a 10. This is the same couple that just years before he said, I'd rather die than be married to you one more day. This is the same wife that said, I've lost all feeling for you. And when God taught him some of the lessons we're going to teach you tonight, it went from, I have no feelings for you, and I'd rather die than live with you one more day, to, "I ha- no, sweetheart, you're wrong. We don't have a 9.9 marriage. We have a 10. Think about this. Our happiness in marriage is not finding life and love in one another. Life and joy and love are found in one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So we've raised our spouse up to a place, and we say, Fulfill me, satisfy me, make me, give me happiness, give me joy, give me satisfaction. And in Christ, the only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. I want to show you what I showed that young couple on Friday night. We are, marriage is not man's idea, marriage is instituted by God. Genesis 2 For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be what? One flesh. What I tried to show that couple, and I believe to be true, is this. Look at this paradigm. Look at this triangle, if you would please. Here's here's the husband or the man, and here's the woman or the wife. There's something that separates them. They're not two perfect individuals. Now, watch this. I, I, I think about this. I look at Kathy and I's marriage, and I think there is one guy on earth, that should make her fulfilled as a woman, and that's this guy. Can I can't say this to you? Here's what I look at, just in case you know. Do you know if I lose my marriage, I lose ministry? Yes. I love what I do here. I love this relationship. But this relationship must be more important. And I'm gonna tell you this in case you put pastor on a pedestal, don't put me there. Many times. I have done ministry to the detriment of my marriage and my wife. And I'm not proud about that. this I don't know when I ever read a book that shook me like this book shook me. And I'm only a third the way through it. I want to show you something. I want you to think about your walk with God and your relationship with your spouse. So here we are. This is the paradigm that we have. Now, follow me. As this man gets closer to God and this woman gets closer to God, what do they do? They get closer to each other. Huh? And here's the problem. We've got ladies or men. We say, listen, this, my wife must fulfill me. She's going to bring me joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. And God said, wait a minute, that's my job. ladies to your husband or men but I say this to you if my job as as not as a pastor but as a Christian I want to walk so close to God like Billy Sunday said when I look to heaven and I say God I love you that I will feel the assurance of the Holy Spirit saying I know you do I walk with God, and I lead my wife, or my wife walks with God, it's automatic. You can't help it. You slide up this scale. Ladies, if you'll make uh, your relationship with God the premier relationship in your life, then automatically, I don't care where your husband is on that that spiritual spectrum. As you get closer to God and I get closer to God, we get closer to each other. Go with me, if you would, please. I I don't want to drag this out any more than I need to. Neither of these relationships are a one-time deal. Why did I think that, Brother Bill? I did. I mean, honestly. I remember d- December 27th, 1983, walking down that church aisle in Pomona, California, and that pastor said, Oh, you have this woman to be your wedding wife, to have." I do! And I thought, it's always gonna, I'm always gonna feel like I feel right now. Not true. Go back to the, the guy that's out of shape. What happened with this couple after year one, this is what he turned into. When he came down that aisle, this is what he was, and this is what his wife was. I mean, this is what he was. Brother Josh, give me the other guy. Huh? I'm buff. I'm rough. I'm tough. I'm fit. I got this. I really did think when Kathy and I got married, Lord, I got this. Ooh, how quick I learned you don't have this. I ask you men here tonight, do you need the Lord to work in your marriage? Ladies, do you need God to work in your marriage? Look at this, if you would, please. Neither of these relationships are a one-time deal. They require a daily surrender. What did Paul say in his walk with the Lord? I die what? I die daily. Now, let me say this to you. Kathy, plug your ears. Here's a perfect day for me. You're not plugging ears, Kathy. Uh, Here's a perfect day for me. Get up. Go to work. Come to church. If i got to meet with some people, do some Bible study. Oh, I, I, and watch this, and I'll think, I'll, I'll check the news in the morning. I'll have a cup of coffee. I'll come here. I'll try to work a, a good, hard, long day, go home, go downstairs in my man cave, get back on the, on the iPad, turn the television on, watch the news, just kind of do my own thing, eat supper, go to bed, kiss my wife. That's a good day. If I do that again and again, go back to the unfit guy. Huh? I don't understand why she doesn't love me like she once did. And I'm not saying I've got this figured out. Don't say amen, Kathy. If we're if both these relationships require us to die daily, surrender. Now let's get into the meat of it. Uh, If you would, look at this, if you would, please. Number one, both relationships will go through trials. Look at James 1. Both relationships will go through trials. There is no perfect marriage. Your marriage is going to face some trials, some tribulations. It's going to happen. You say, preacher, but I married a Christian man. Yeah, but he has issues. I married a Christian woman. Yeah, she's got issues. James 1, look at this as far as, look at verse number 2 through 4. The Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That word there is not what we are thinking, a solicitation to do evil. That word there is a testing or a trial. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect word, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Marriage is a place where we're called to lose ourselves and to try to fulfill our wives and, our hu- and, and ladies for your husband, not necessarily in the dreams and the ambitions of your spouse, but rather in the dreams and directions of a trusting, loving father. Those of you that are seated here tonight, you say, "Preacher, oh, you don't even have a clue. You don't know where my husband and I are, but I am very much with this couple. Can I say this to you? Is there a God in heaven that you've trusted? His son is your savior. Does he look down at your marriage and know what you're going through? then why don't you trust Him? Why are you ready to walk away from that marriage? Why are you ready? And I don't know anybody here that is. I'm just trying to say I know human nature, and I know that we give up on these relationships, and there's a God in heaven that understands that as a married couple, you're going through some issues. Trust Him. Turn to Him trust in God in the trials of your marriage and the trials of your faith as the woman said to her husband who wrote this book after 10 years of marriage i've lost all feelings for you why do we base love on feelings i want to feel in love with my wife i want she to feel in love with me feelings are deceiving In your walk with God, do you ever feel like God is not near you? Be careful with this thing of feelings. Trust God in your trials, in your marriage, and in your faith. Feelings are not required in either relationships. God knows those battles that you and I are going through in our faith and in our marriage, and He wants us to trust Him. God doesn't say to we husbands, husband, love your wives if you feel like it. Are you with me, men? I love you, each and every one of you. He said, husbands, love your wives. Whether you feel like it, whether you don't feel like it, love her. Nor does he say, only serve me when you feel like it. God is always, and this is so important, and I want you to apply this not only to your walk with the Lord, but your, your marriage, if you're presently married. God is always present and active in your life, regardless of how you feel. Can I say it again? God is always present and active in your life, regardless of how you feel. Let me tell you what I've learned so far from this precious couple. Year one, I'd rather die than be married to you one day. Year 10, the wife, I mean, that's a husband to the wife. Year 10, the wife to the husband, I've lost all feeling for you. And now the husband would say, we have a 9.9, and the wife would correct him and say, no, we have a 10 marriage. Can't get any better. How did they go in that direction? That man listened God is active in that man and his wife, even though neither one of them understood it. They were ready to depart from each other. I married the wrong person, a lie from the devil, and I'm going to walk away. But God gripped that man's heart in an instant and said, you have not served your wife I've called you've not loved her like I've told you to love her and I want you to repent right now and God crushed his heart and the floorboard of a car he began to pray and to cry out and his wife didn't know what to do she had never seen that man and under her own testimony what happened that night when she went to bed God crushed her heart And under her own testimony, she said this, why are you looking to a man to bring you satisfaction that only I can bring you? So that next morning, this marriage started to be put back together, and that man and his wife begin to love each other and to serve each other and to die daily. The path to a great marriage and relationship with the Lord is to die daily. Look in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I think about this, and I don't know who else is in here. I know uh, Brother Tom, and certainly at one time, and probably even now, correctly, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Sidney and Drew Miller, who are kind of new to our church. Brother Drew works out. I mean, this guy works out. You shape, I, I don't do this anymore. I used to go, hey, Drew, how are you? But it, it convicts me. You do that to me in the jello. You do that to Drew, and I mean, it's rock hard. He works out. You think about this. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians 9. Look at verse number 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth a prize? So run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body... And bringing in subjection, lest by any means, would, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's go back to our two men again. The not-so-fit guy. This is my walk with the Lord. Remember with the three things we said about both relationships? They're both are going to have trials. They both need constant work and attention. How do I get from this guy to this guy? Daily. Hey, let's say tomorrow, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give Brother Drew a call. I'm going to say, Brother Drew, can I come work out with you? Brother Tom, you know the answer to this question. Or those of you men that work out, think about this. Could I keep up with Drew? I tell my pastor, my pastor used to say this, I lift weights a quarter pound at a time. I don't know what Drew's lifting. I don't know what he's benching. I don't know what he's doing. There is no way that I could keep up with Drew. Why? Because I'm this other guy. I haven't worked out in quite some time. But watch this. I could never be a Drew again, but I could get kind of close to this other guy if every day I exercised and worked at my walk with God, at my marriage. Men, I'm going to tell you this. Ladies, I'm going to tell you this. If you give some devotion and time to your marriage, it'll work. Look at this, if you would, please. So we we think about this. We die daily. The question is not how strong are you presently, but how badly do you want a good marriage or a walk with the Lord? Paul looked at his walk with the Lord and he said, as he looked at everything else in his life, he looked at money and fortune and fame and power and he said, I count them but dung. Refuse. And it's about time the marriages, the Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, we men pull away from what we do and give our wife some precious time. It's about time, men, that we do that. And ladies, it's about time that you push yourself away from the kids, and you give your husband just some one-on-one time, just the two of you. It's going to require some work, going to require some dedication. If you want a good marriage, it starts right now. If you want a consistent and rewarding walk with God, it starts right now. Like that man, I'm not saying... But this thing has so moved me and convicted me that I think about and I begin to examine my wife and I's marriage and I think how in the years past and how many times that the church people got me and everybody else got pastor. They can get pastor. But my wife was alone and home alone and she needed her husband more than you needed a pastor. And I have made the mistake of, of understanding. And I love you dearly. But I think about this, men, whatever you do, it's not as important as that relationship with your wife. Get on your knees. Get your eyes off of your spouse what they do or don't do and get your eyes on Jesus. Ladies, I want you to respond tonight in this message. How many of you, your husband has issues? You can raise your hand, Miss Rogers, all right? How many of your husband's got some issues? All right, come on. Don't, that's not lying, church. We all do. Men, how many of you, (laughs) you're not afraid. Your wife's got some issues too. Raise your hand. Oh, Brother Tom's got both hands up. Uh, Mary, oh, you pray for Mary, this poor lady. Uh, You think about this. Get your eyes off of what your mate doesn't do right, or they do that, that bothers you. They squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the middle they're supposed to roll it up from the bottom, right? They hang the new roll of toilet paper, and don't they know it's supposed to come off the front, not the back? Oh, and it grates on you. Huh? I, I don't know where I did. I just, I sit down to eat. Kathy sets a napkin, and I twirl that napkin. Stop! <laughs> huh? Some things I do that bug her. Some things she Nothing she does could bug me. <laughs> All right, here's a formula. Give me five minutes. Ready? Are you ready for this? Your walk with God. How many of you want a better walk with God? I do. I mean this honestly. How many of you that are presently married, you want your marriage, you want to fulfill your spouse? I pray that you do. Let me tell you a little formula. Ready for this? Number one, divert daily. Divert. What does that mean? To have a meaningful walk with the Lord, I must carve out some time just for him and me. Is there any time in your day tomorrow it's just you and God? Because you'll never walk with God unless there's some time in your schedule. It's just you and God. And men, we cannot have in our marriage the wife that we want to have unless we carve out some time just for our wives. And ladies, carve out some time just for you and your husband. Divert daily. daily. Pull away from those things that you're doing. They may not be bad. I'm a seamstress. I'm not a seamstress. Okay, I'm just saying. A wife will say, "I'm a seamstress." Men might say, "I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, I, I, I'm a mechanic, or I'm a, uh, i am am a, builder, or I'm a whatever. My, I'm a computer software guy. Whatever it might be, pull away, divert daily." Divert daily to focus on those two relationships. Get out of your regular routine. That is a rut. Let me tell you what a rut is. It's a grave with both ends knocked out. That's a rut. I am the world's worst at ruts. I get in a rut and I just want to stay in that rut. The best marriages divert daily as well. Can I say this to you men and you ladies? Your marriage is worth the effort and the time. It's worth it. Number two, so we're going to divert daily. Number two, we're going to withdraw weekly. When Kathy and I first got married, we had a car. I don't even know if they make these anymore, Brother Tom. That's why I like trucks. We had a car. Can you picture this car in your mind? I don't know if you can picture. Some of you can. It was an answer to prayer. It was a 1977 Oldsmobile Delta 88. It was absolutely the prettiest car you've ever seen in your life. White leather interior. Not these inexpensive, I mean wire wheels, wire, real wire hook. When we pulled on the campus, uh, people looked. Let me tell you what I liked about that car. When we got married, Brother Bill, it had a full bench seat. Guess where Kathy sat? Huh? We had a couple. Some of you know the Bradleys. Brother Bradley lost his wife. He later met Patty and remarried. They, they patterned their dating and whatnot after Kathy. And I think, what is there to pattern? He said, we always liked it when you came into church and she's right there. Huh? I said, you know what we did for so many years of our marriage? Every night, even after kids are born, Friday night's date night, get a babysitter, put her in the truck or the car. We're going to go. You've got to go to McDonald's, go to McDonald's, go to Chick-fil-A, get a hot dog. Chick-fil-A doesn't have hot dogs, do they? All right. I'm just saying. Uh, Divert daily. Now watch this. And then on a weekly basis, do this. Withdraw weekly. If you want to grow spiritually, God calls us to set aside one day of the week. Let me say this to you. The problem some are having in their marriage is church is no longer important to you. I can't, you know what, preacher, I've got some problems with my husband. He's not meeting my needs. But you cross God off of the list. This is his body. He calls us one day a week. Rest. Come apart. Be in church. You are never going to get your husband closer to you, and you going away from God. It's not going to happen. In our walk with the Lord, make Sunday a special day. Give it to God and say, "Lord, it belongs to you." We're going to divert daily. We are going to withdraw weekly, and we're going to abandon annually. What does that mean? Couples, let me encourage you to do this. We try to do this in our ministry once a year. Take some time for husband and wife, just some time for the two of you. Go to a conference together annually. We try to have those on a, on a, on in the summer months downstairs for at least six weeks. If it's not our conference, I could recommend several that it's just the two of you getting away. Is it worth it? Let me say this to you, men. It might be you next that your wife would say, I've lost all feeling for you. And I would pray that you and I, if we ever heard those words, our response would be like that man's response, that it would so crush us that we say, God, help me. And ladies, can I say this to you? If that's how you presently feel, encourage. And men, I'm going to say this to you because you're the leaders in the home. Get away. I'm going to divert daily. I'm going to withdraw weekly. But then I'm going to abandon annually. Lancaster has a tremendous marriage conference pay $500 and some airline tickets, get a motel, go out for three, three nights, three nights. We hope to host some here as we invite other couples and other churches in in the years to come. I don't care of your choosing. Remember we said this, and, and I know we're lengthy tonight. Let me remind you this. Both relationships require constant work. True or False. My walk with God requires constant work. Both relationships will benefit from that work. Men and women, if we'll begin to work on our marriages, God will bless it. And number three, if you have a problem with one of the relationships, you have a problem with the other. Let's do this. I know I've been lengthy tonight. I could wholeheartedly recommend this book to any of you couples. matter of fact, let me give you the title. I don't know the authors. Let me give you the title. It's called The Vertical Marriage. The Vertical Marriage. I think I paid $16 for it. I don't know if it's in our local bookstores. Well worth. Now, if you get it and you read it, take advantage of the first four chapters and forget what happens with chapter five and on because I want to teach that one day here. (laughs) All right? I just, I hope that you feel like I do. One of the most precious relationships I have is this relationship right here. Can't say I've always done it right. It needs constant work. Men, are you willing to put in the work? Ladies, are you willing to put in the work? Don't walk away from those relationships.